on today's show. I think this position, like the way that I, I've gone about everything in my life is I'm not too, too extreme in anything I do. And anytime I do something that might seem extreme, I always try to hedge it on something else. So if you look at my college career, I wanted to start my own business, but I hedged it by getting good grades at the beginning so that my senior year I can relax and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. If you look at my like business making decisions, like I'm building up my business, but my hedge is I can still get that job offer at a reputable firm. And the same thing with the decision with my mom and my dad is I got the job offer again and I'm saying them, I'm showing them that I can get a job offer to give them a peace of mind so that if everything doesn't work out, I can still get that job offer. Five, four, three, two, one. one. On today's episode, we're going to talk to Justin Nguyen and really talk about the ultimate hedge. <laughs> he is someone who has really created quite a brand and platform for himself as a soon-to-be graduating senior in college uh, through his podcast, through his uh, marketing company, and, and, and really shared these insights. But his story is fascinating. It's one of those people who decided, listen, my parents are a little hesitant, not just a little, a lot hesitant about me pursuing this crazy entrepreneurship dream. Let me prove to them that I can't can, if I so choose, take the standard path. And he went out and secured a bunch of internships, got a prestigious job offer, and then told his parents, listen, I'm not going to do it. And here, look at what I've created. Look at my you know, young and dumb podcast. Look at all the kind of value I've been creating. I'm going to take this path. And I think it's really instructive. There is this idea here where people are like, you know, I got to take this big, gigantic risk. But some of the most successful young people today aren't necessarily taking huge risks. They're taking the ultimate hedge. And that's why I think this is an interesting story about intentionality, about planning and doing something that really does help Justin have it all. On today's show, Justin Nguyen, a great conversation about a podcaster who's figured out how to create something to help him stand out and be different. Awesome. Justin, I'm so excited to get to spend some quality time here together. Uh, this is, uh, is going to be fun. Thank you for having me on. It's it's a pleasure. Of course. And you're uh, you're very gracious to be doing this right during the middle of finals times as well. So I, it's a, <laughs> as a as a college student and here as a college professor, I feel like uh, I feel like sort of like a jerk. But here you are. You signed up for the time, so I can't feel so bad at that point. Hey, man. No worries. I I'll take whatever time I can to <laughs> to take a break from studying right now. So thank you. Good. Cool, man. So great. Well, so, you know, one of the things I wanted to, to, to spend some time with you about it, and, and, you know, I think what I've really enjoyed about sort of following your story, and, and I think you and I just got connected recently, but I've sort of been following your, your journey and story on LinkedIn. You're sort of, I would say, one of the more present uh, voices, faces uh, kind of out there on LinkedIn and, and even more generally telling your story. Talk a little bit about like what it's like to sort of be one of the more more active college students using some of these platforms to kind of get your own voice out there. Well, thank you. Uh, I don't personally see myself as that, but uh, it's great to see that other people view me as that and like my content is reaching people that way. In terms of seeing myself as, if you want to call it one of the top like college students who are producing content on LinkedIn, 
I never really looked at it that way. Um, I looked at LinkedIn as this platform which didn't have a lot of young users. So I felt that that could have been my niche to kind of explode in the social media realm. I've always wanted to do YouTube. I always wanted to do Instagram, Twitter, and I have, but I never really exploded because I never put like a hundred percent into it. Mm-hmm. Whereas LinkedIn, I see it as like Instagram and YouTube five or six years ago. So right now I'm banking on putting all my time and effort now. So in four, five, three, four, five years, my influence grows. And then maybe LinkedIn becomes the YouTube of business or whatever it may be. And that's what I'm trying to position myself as right now. That's awesome. So you have, you have a very uh, interesting story too. I think just to, you know, I think to to maybe step back a little bit and maybe take us through the journey of how you got here because you're finishing up your last classes, you're going to graduate, you're going to be sort of pursuing your entrepreneurial endeavors, but you were sort of like a lot of these ambitious, you know, sort of, you know, people starting college, trying to play it kind of the normal way, right? Get the normal, good, safe job. Take me back to Justin as a, you know, an almost freshman in college, how you sort of looked at the world and kind of how your journey has pretty much like taken a big right turn as opposed to going the standard (laughs) safe route and now sort of being able to do something awesome and cool on your own. Man, that's that's a journey right there. Um, so let's start senior year, like college decision time, right? I was raised with both my parents are um, Vietnamese refugees. So with that, the mindset of school is your only way out, that's what they taught to me. So I thought I was going to go to school for athletic training, kind of combine soccer, my love for soccer, and going down the medical route to please my parents. So did that for a year, my freshman year. And it was like, bio and chem really stink. (laughs) I'm bad at it. And it's so much work. Like my roommate was, um, he was a business major and he would be done with his homework in like half half the amount of time that I would be there just sitting doing all my lab reports. And he would laugh at me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, it's crazy we're getting a degree, which kind of means the same stuff, but you're putting in less time and effort and you have more time at the time to play Xbox. (laughs) But what I realized is my love wasn't for medical, but the problem was the reason that my parents pushed that down to me is because when your parents are immigrants, they really only know one way out of poverty, which is through the education system. And they right. think that's being a doctor or a lawyer and business is almost never on their um, mind. Maybe now because entrepreneurship is kind of exploding. But before, like if you, I told my parents that like, I might want to be a business major and they're like, why, why would you do that? There's no money in it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're well, just going to stress yourself out. I think I told you, I have an, I have an author who, um, a guy from North, North, uh, Northwestern named Chris, who wrote a book called breaking, breaking through. And, and he basically profiled a large number of Asian Americans who had taken either the, the non-doctor, non-lawyer, non-engineer route. And he does, it's, it was, for me, it was really interesting. Cause as a, you know, I mean, I'm a, I don't, I'm not an immigrant. I'm, you know, I'm not from an Asian background. And it was interesting to sort of hear him describe this pressure. And, and that was exactly that. It was almost like you were, you were going to another planet if you decided to do not one of those three paths. And for him, the journey of sort of, even he describes the story of sort of meeting some of these people that were doing something different and basically then sending the interviews to his parents saying, Hey, look, these are other people who (laughs) made it and not in these three paths. Yeah. Even when you show them that they're very hesitant because, and then coming from like my perspective, like I look at my grandparents' journey and my parents' journey here, 
they came over here with no food, no water. They left on a boat on a limb and they got lucky that they were picked up by like Philippine Navy and then they got brought to the US. So when I look at that, it's like, it makes me feel bad to not listen to them. And especially in Asian culture, like you have to respect your elders and everything that way. So I feel for especially Asian um, students and kids that it it's almost at a level of, it feels disrespectful to not go down the school route. And I've talked to my peers who are of the Asian descent and like they're going down the doctor route, but I talk to them and they're like, yeah, I don't really like the medical route. But I'm like, you're wasting eight <laughs> years and how much money for something that you're not going to like. And like they put on their Snapchat story like, oh, I'm in my residency or like, oh, I'm doing this and that. And I'm like, that's crazy mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. but I understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So how did you, you know, tell me a little bit about the story to, because you look at you now, right? I mean, you know, if you go online and and you Google you and and I did my, my, uh, my look, you know, there's, you've got so many interesting stories and interesting perspectives. And it's like, I can never imagine you as the, the guy, you know, who might have wanted to go into the medical field. How did you make that switch in terms of like, you know, did it happen overnight or was it one of those stage things? How did you make the switch in terms of saying, all right, great. Now I've got to kind of like, I've got to do do blaze my own path a little. <laughs> uh, it definitely took a lot of time, especially to like get over the fact of I'm going kind of against my parents. I credit a lot of it to my roommate because my freshman year, my roommate, we I used to play or I still play a game called FIFA, which is a soccer video game. And on the video game, there's basically a marketplace of players, and each you get a certain amount of coins, and then it's basically like a stock market. And I went from zero to a million coins, like just trading and looking at trends and all that in like three months. And my roommate was like, dude, why don't you just do that in real life? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, hmm, there's no way there's like transferable skills in this video game to real life. He's like, you're literally just trading the stock market, like go look into finance and look into economics. So because my parents like didn't know really about business, I didn't even know that finance and economics was like a thing. So that's what transferred me to the business world. And once I'd started looking into the business side of things, I ran into people like Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Seth Godin, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, and I would deep dive into all of their journeys. Mm. So I can tell you like Gary V's journey, like it's the back of my hand. I can tell you Mark Cuban's journey, all these people. And it, it was so fascinating to me that I, and then I became fascinated with people's stories. And that's when the podcast came out. Hmm. And did you, so, so what, how did the, like, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to, why, why I thought it would be fun to have you on is, you know, this, uh, you know, I've, you know, I've been teaching through the book process, helping people create books. And one of the things I kept hearing over and over again is like, listen, Eric, uh, my peers are listening to podcasts a lot. I want to create a podcast. I want to use that as a way to connect with people and talk to people. How did you decide to do a podcast? And cause it's one of those things I think that feels very inaccessible to a lot of people like, Oh God, you know, I don't have a radio setup and I'm not at a, you know, blah, blah. How was that? Like, what were the first steps that you made to sort of say, all right, I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to start a podcast. What was that journey like for you? Yeah, it was scary because I think the podcast was the first real piece of content that I really put out there. Like I put Instagram posts like everyone else, but this was really to my name. It wasn't for fame. It wasn't for anything. It was trying to get knowledge out there. To get started, it was just Google. Google, Google, Google. And <laughs> one of the one of the first things that came or one of the, like the reoccurring things that came up was you need to produce that first episode. No matter how bad it's going to be, 
It's always going to be your worst episode, but at the same time, it'll always be your best episode. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is, is because it's the worst episode that you'll probably have because you have no experience podcasting. You've got probably terrible audio because you can't afford a good mic, everything like that. You don't know about things like Zencaster. Um, but it's the best episode because when you're 50 episodes deep or 100 episodes, 200 episodes in, and you look back at your first episode, it's going to be very refreshing to see like, oh, wow, we've come so far along. Like our mm. first episode, there's literally a computer humming in the background. We're using <laughs> one mic for three people talking. It's terrible, but it's so fun to look back on the episode and see how much we've grown, the structure that we've built, the better interviewing questions that we ask, and like just the overall production quality. It, it's, it's very humbling. Hmm. And did you, how did you decide, like, kind of talk me through what was that, the planning effort to put out episode number one for you? So episode number one, I would, I think it took us like a month or two of planning to really figure out like what we're going to call it, what we're going to try to accomplish with it. And when I say what we're trying to accomplish, we really didn't know what we were trying to do. We just wanted to talk to people at that point. Mm-hmm. And the reason the podcast idea came up was because we listened to Lewis Howe's podcast um, mm-hmm. called The School of Greatness. He basically interviews the untouchable people of the world, the Gary V, the Tony Robbins, etc. And for me, it was great. But when I was looking out into the podcast market, I couldn't find journeys that were similar to mine. The college kid who didn't know what he wanted to do or the young person. I'm looking for like young successful stories because their stories will resonate more to me and I can emulate that easier than a Gary Vee or a Tony Robbins because their story isn't necessarily relevant to our time. So we thought about that. They're like, okay, young. And the classic saying is young and dumb. <laughs> and then my co-host was, he's a more creative one. He was like, all right, let's turn dumb into an acronym. So then we sat there for like two hours trying to figure out the best words to make dumb into an acronym. And we came up with dedicated, up and coming, motivated and bold. Hmm. And how did the, you know, like you said, you go from, you know, you listen to your, your show today and it's well-produced, it's thoughtful. You've, you know, you've got the whole show, the whole shebang now. How do you, how do you start to get better? Cause I think that's the other part of it is, is like you said, you can't improve unless you start. <laughs> so like, so what was that, that process like? Cause you're, it's not as if this is like your full-time thing either. Like you're just doing this to kind of like get out there and learn. How do you start to get better guests? How do you start to like, again, use this as a tool to learn? Best way to learn is just to try. Um, as Seth Godin goes, the or as Seth Godin says, the person who fails the most wins the most. So, but the caveat to that is you can't fail too big because if you fail too big, then you don't have capital or you don't have relationships to bank on. I think that's, so a, that's what we did at the point beginning. Too, right? like, I, I do. I hate, I will say this. There's a lot of people who have this like big fail, big fail, go big, go home. I actually think that's kind of like the wrong message, right? I just think it's like, mm-hmm. It's don't be afraid to learn, but like no one sets out to say like, it's okay to fail. <laughs> I mean, I know I like, it's a, it's a thing that I sort of, I kind of hate this, like sort of, that's the one message out there that I don't love is this like, oh yeah, failure's good. We should embrace failure. It's not that. It's because like, then that sets you up to say like, oh, I'm going to fail. It's just to say though that like, listen, if you, if it doesn't work out the way that you thought, you can learn from it. So I think there's something about that to your point. Like, you don't want to be like, yeah, no worries. Like throw it all the wind. But I think it's about being intentional about how you attack these things to learn. Exactly. And it, that's exactly the point is like, if you going out there and you're like, okay, failing is cool. 
then you'll raise money. And then if you fail while raising money, you don't realize that those relationships are probably broken. Mm-hmm. And if those relationships are broken, you have a bad rep. And if you have a bad rep, it's very hard to start up another company. Mm-hmm. But if you look at everything from that I've done, everything that I've done is at a small scale because I'm still trying to figure out I'm not a business guy, at least not yet. And I'm still trying to learn. So the podcast, I think we've put into maybe probably put like three, two, three hundred dollars into the podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. If I fail that two, three hundred dollars, that's not a lot. Mm-hmm. I'd rather lose two, three hundred dollars now than lose two, three hundred thousand dollars in 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've always looked at things is how can I risk the least amount of money now or time, effort, whatever it may be to learn the most for later on in my life. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. And what's what's your secret to, you know, you have such a diverse, unique group of guests. How, how have you figured out the way to sort of like, you know, now you're like a hundred episodes deep, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you, yeah. how do you keep finding interesting people that to sort of pull along the way? Cause your, your, your network, what dries up pretty quickly. Yeah. The funny thing is, is when you start putting yourself out there, you start interacting with more and more interesting people. And you start because everyone has their own community, right? So mm-hmm. like I reached out to when I first got started on LinkedIn, I messaged a man named Mike Casavant. And from Mike, he introduced me to Q. And Q just happens to be one of the biggest millennial um voices on LinkedIn. So now we just got Q onto the podcast. And from Q, we get to leverage having him on the podcast and everyone on LinkedIn pretty much knows who Q is. Mm -hmm. So then from there, we get to get into his network and then we just keep growing and growing and growing. So a lot of it comes from finding those first like 10 to 15 people that have bigger networks than you Mm. and then slowly working your way into their ecosystem. Um, Like for example, we got Swish on and then we got Elliot on and then we got Buster. All three of them are like best friends, but because we got one of them on, they're all like, they kind of want to like compete with each other. Like, <laughs> oh, you got onto a podcast. I want to get onto a podcast. Mm-hmm. So then it opens just doors that way. And the mm-hmm. best way to reach these people, funny enough, is Instagram DMs. And then if you go onto their Instagram page, sometimes they have an email, just reach out to them through email. Interesting. Interesting. So what is it like, you know, you're, you've, you've sort of been building this sort of, uh, little, you know, brand, this, this area, what are your classmates that are not in this world? Think of you, like, what do they, <laughs> what do people like be like, they, like, they got to think that you're like from another planet, right? What is that like, uh, first? Yeah. So a lot of my friends and family or mainly my friends, well, yeah, I guess family too, from back home from where I grew up or like, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. Because me growing up, I was a very lazy kid. Like (laughs) I was great at soccer, but I was just lazy. You couldn't ask me to run. And that's what people just kind of associated with me. My brand was the lazy kid who found a way to succeed in the least amount of effort possible. Hmm. Now, that doesn't play very well in the professional world. That's what I realized. (laughs) So when I was going through college, I was like, all right, I need to get my act together. I need to figure out how to change my personal brand as well as change like something that I'm very passionate about. And for me, that was the education system. So that's where Get Your Grind Up really got started. And now they're like, wow, this is really great. But then at the same time, like my close friends are like, they're very realistic with me. They're like, all right, so how are you going to make money though? Mm -hmm. It's great and all to like show that you're doing all these great things. You're meeting all these amazing people. You're talking and you have a great podcast. But the thing is, you can't live off of that. Mm -hmm. So let's get to the next step. So I'm very grateful that I have friends who are 
keeping me accountable too that aren't just like yes men yeah. that are like, okay, great, 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 Justin, cool, cool. Because on paper, what I'm doing is great. But the reality is I'm not making any money right now. So that's the problem that we're trying to figure out right now. So, but you you had, there's a half step in here that I think that we that I want to definitely talk, have you touch on. Because, you know, you you know, sort of like you said, you're this kind of kid, you know, everyone has these dreams. They want to make it to the prestigious companies, you know, the, the, the consulting companies that you, you sort of like went through this journey of the same way. So you've got this other stuff going on, but you still sort of were like, all right, I'm going to try to break into business. Tell the story a little bit about, uh, about the big four. Cause I think that's an interesting instructive story as well about <laughs> how this thing both worked and also maybe worked too well to some senses. Yeah, definitely. So my goal every like going to college was always to please my parents. And for my parents, it was like getting that job offer after college. So I went about college very differently, I think, from most people. Whereas people usually go into college, they think like, okay, their first two years are like self-discovery, going out and partying and like having a good time. For me, my first two to three years were just grind, get as high as a GPA as I can, work as hard as I can, get as many internships and connections that I can in the business world. Because I knew that for my parents to kind of accept it, I need to show them that it's possible. So what I did, I had like a 3.8 or 3.9 GPA by my junior year. Um, I had, I think, five internships by the end of my junior year summer. Um, so my resume was pristine, part of all the clubs and everything like that. Fast forward to senior year. I'm like, okay, what's the hardest job possible that I could probably get, especially coming from a non-target school. So I'm from University of Central Florida, which is a good school, but it's not a target school. Right. They're like, okay, probably getting a consulting job. We're like, okay, let's figure this out. How do I get a consulting job? First, I put on like a really clean suit and I went to, there's two career fairs at my college. There's a career fair, which is for the whole school. And Recruiters just get pounded and pounded with probably thousands of students there. So you're probably not going to make an impact there. But the College of Business has their own specific um, career fair. So I was like, okay, this is where I need to go deep. This is where I need to build that relationship with that recruiter. So one of the big four firms was there. They were recruiting. I went up to them, had a great conversation with one of the ladies there. She really liked my suit. And then I got her business card. Hmm. Bang connection there. So then when I get home, I go back onto my laptop, send her an email like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. It was great meeting you today. I'm the kid with the nice suit because I always try to find a way to differentiate myself from everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not able to differentiate yourself, you're never going to be remembered. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with networking that people don't understand. People usually go into networking and try to meet 20, 30, 40, 50 people and just hand out their business card and hand out the business card. The problem with that is, let's be real, everyone gets business cards from these networking events, but very little people actually use them. Right. The way that you have to go about networking, at least from my perspective, is you have to go into it and look at it of how can you be remembered? And the way I usually do that is I leverage being Asian because usually there are very little Asian people at the networking events, or I try to make a funny joke or find a way to stand out with like the way I dress or anything like that. This one was the way I dress. I reached out to the recruiter. She's like, oh, great. Want to have a phone interview? In the phone interview, I think the differentiating point for me is that I had so many things outside of the normal student. Nowadays, every student has internships. Every student has a good GPA. Every student is a part of clubs. 
But the difference with me is I was building stuff on the outside on top of all of this. So before, if you got an internship with good grades, they're like, okay, you're an overachiever. Now, since everyone is doing that, you have to find a way to become an even overachiever compared to the overachievers. Mm -hmm. So the way I did that was the podcast and with the brand Get Your Grind Up. The thing that they don't realize is I wasn't making any money, but they don't know that. They just see that. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, they didn't see that. They just saw a kid who was willing to work really, really hard and mm -hmm. you have to portray that story. I think the number one thing in interviewing is how do you portray your story? And so many people try to go into it memorizing things and that's not how you can really ace an interview. Hmm. So you... Uh you you get the you you make this all happen. This whole thing comes together for you, and yet you're you're uh, you know as you said you're, you're not taking the job. Tell me a little about that decision making process and how does that play with the with the family? Like trying to think about okay, I'm actually gonna blaze my own trail here. How did that? How did you go through that mindset? Yeah, so my my mom when she first heard I got the job offer, she was very happy. She's like, "Wow, congratulations!" Like I didn't think you were gonna actually do it. She just thought I was gonna get like a regular corporate job and make regular money and blah 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 blah. Then I had to hit her with, "I'm thinking about not taking it," and her face was like, "Why? Why would you do that?" And I'm I'm sitting there and I was like deciding in my head throughout this whole the night before, like, how am I gonna tell my mom this? And the way that I went about it is the same way I went about changing my major in college is I have to prove to her. I'm like, okay, mom, I'm going to give you, give myself a time limit right now. I have no debt. Thankful to you. I'm appreciative of that. So give me six months to, to go hard and get your grind up and young and dumb and see where it goes. Hmm. If there's no possible way of me making money or if nothing pops up by the time of summertime next year, then I probably know this isn't right for me and I will go get a job for you. So I put, I'm holding myself accountable to my own word and I'm giving my mom also like a sense of relaxation, if you want to call it that, that I will get a job if nothing succeeds. So because I'm able to show her that I can get a job from a very reputable firm, but at the same time, I'm saying, I want to pursue my dream right now. Let me have this moment for me. And I will, I promise you, if it doesn't work out, I will do it for you later on. Yeah. It's neat to see too, because I think that there's what what's instructive about this one, and I, it's why I'm such a big believer in these things like you know podcasts and video shows and books, because we call them a creation event, and and this concept of a creation event really is this thing that basically allows you to show your depth, shows your passion, and also to show that you can get these other people behind your journey. And what it does for you though is the most important thing is it it sort of makes it not such a big kind of leap in, in a lot of other people's minds. Okay. You know, listen, Justin has already proven that he can create this thing, get it out there and get these guests. He's, he's committed to it. He's done it over a long period of time. And, and I think that's kind of what's powerful about it is like, you know, there's a ton of people just, we'll say there's a ton of aspirational and ambitious people out there who have these ideas. I'd love to break in the sports industry. I'd love to work on my own. I'd love to do whatever this thing would be, but they sort of like, the idea is, is like, I'm going to make this leap as opposed to what you did is you've sort of made this, we'll call it a slide, right? Or a sort of a, a slow slope there where it's not such a, like, it's not something, even your parents who I'm sure, uh, this was something that for them was probably hard to get their head around, but you've basically painted a case, made a case for why this isn't such a leap. Exactly. And I think this position, like the way that I, I've gone about everything in my life is, I'm not too, too extreme in anything I do. And anytime I do something that might seem extreme, I always try to 
hedge it on something else. So if you look at, um, if you look at my, my college career, I wanted to start my own business, but I hedged it by getting good grades at the beginning so that my senior year, I can relax and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. If you look at my job decision, it's, I got the job offer, but, or no, sorry. If you look at my like business making decisions, like I'm building up my business, but my hedge is I can still get that job offer at a reputable firm. And the same thing with the decision with my mom and my dad is I got the job offer again. And I'm saying them, I'm showing them that I can get a job offer to give them a peace of mind so that if everything doesn't work out, right. I can still get that job offer. Yeah. It's really, I think it's, I think that's what I love so much about it is it's that people probably from the outside will look at you and sort of say, oh, yeah, listen, this guy, you know, sort of is just this crazy guy. But like, what's interesting and what I think is so instructive about this conversation is the intentionality here. <laughs> you know, like, this is not like an accidental thing. You've been basically architecting this opportunity for yourself the entire college career. And you've been building this set of pieces that sort of make it where it's almost like you can present the case. And, and I think that's what I think is so interesting about these you know, these creation events that like happen when you do these sorts of things is that the intentionality of saying, listen, I know where I want to go, but let me build a set of things that are going to show you that this is not crazy. This is just the next logical step. And, um, and I think that's what's so interesting about it for sure is, you know, you looked at your career and have, uh, you know, done something pretty, uh, pretty sort of remarkable in some senses, but to you, I'm sure probably it was like, oh yeah, it's just like, one more thing, like I could, I could keep playing more, more, more hours of FIFA, or I could spend a couple hours talking to cool people on the phone, and or you know, on on, on a podcast, and here we are. Yeah, I mean, I mean, looking at in, of course, hindsight twenty twenty, right? But while I was doing it, I, I probably felt like every other college student out there right now. Yep. Like, yep. I still don't know really what I want to do. Everything is up in limbo. But I think the difference that I'm doing compared to other people is I'm still trying. I think a lot of people get crippled by that uncertainty, which is I completely understand that. My advice to you is just get out there and try something. If you're not getting paid doing anything right now, then you have no you you have no reason not to take that unpaid internship. There's so many people that I've talked to that are like, oh, why would I take an unpaid internship? And I'm like, okay, are you getting paid doing anything right now? Yep. They're like, no. So I'm like, you have time. They're like, yeah. So I'm like, what's the difference between you spending five hours watching Netflix versus you spending five hours a week working at this nonprofit where you get to actually practice the skill that you want to? They're like, but it's not paid. I'm like, but you're not getting paid to watch Netflix either. <laughs> That's right. There's no right. difference. You're, you're paying to watch Netflix. Yeah. So you're actually losing money that way. And that's what people, they don't understand that. And when they that clicks in their head, it's like, oh, let me actually start trying some things. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get into like the young person's mind. I love it. Well, this has been super interesting, I have to say. And I think it's what's, uh, you know, I think there's a couple interesting big takeaways here, right? I think that number one, I just love your intentionality. I think that this idea of like, listen, okay, I'm going to hedge. It's not like I'm this crazy, risky, weird guy. I'm going to hedge and I'm going to be able to have the 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 job off from my back pocket, know that I can always get it. Uh, and then I think what I've I've also really, I think is is interesting here is this idea of, uh, you know, think of this as swapping out, you know, a little of your Netflix time, a little of your FIFA time, a little of your whatever it is time to do something for yourself, to do something selfish and you know, to be able to connect with other people in this way because it's not this huge, huge, huge thing. I think there's a lot of, we all have a lot more time than we may imagine. Most definitely. Like if you can literally take 
a day or a week and just audit the amount of time that you spend doing everything. It's crazy, especially when you're a college student. Like we all always claim that we study so much, but when you're actually <laughs> studying, I guarantee you you're on your phone at least 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. And it, if you actually look at that, then it's like, wow, that 50% I could be used spending on. Maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's FIFA, maybe it's practicing a skill, whatever it is that brings you happiness. You, it's probably bring you more happiness than staring at your phone, pretending to study. And that's something that a lot of students don't get because they're trying to live the life of the student that has been portrayed to them in like all the movies that we grow up watching, all the parents that we talked to growing up. But times are different and you have to realize that especially with the internet you can accomplish so many more things and you just have to try as many things as possible because the internet can take a lot of time away from you but it can also give you a lot of time if you use it in the right way it's awesome i love it man well this has been really great and i you know i think i know you know you it's a it's kind of an apt time i think for you you're graduating you're sort of finishing here going into this next phase of your adventure so i'm glad to capture it and uh, and i hope if you'd be game maybe to we'll catch up again to sort of hear how this continues because i think it's I think that there is this infatuation today with entrepreneurship as uh, you come up with this great app idea and do it. But I think what you're showing is that it is a grind and it's lots of mini, mini milestones, not one big, like, here's my app idea. But like, I think, you know, you're basically now in the game. And now what happens from here is a lot of hard work, a lot of hustle and, you know, twists and turns. But I think, like you said, you're, you're in this next grind phase. And the best part of all of it is you get to play. And what happens in terms of you know how it plays out? Who knows? But you get to play, and that's the magic. Most definitely. It was a pleasure, and I would definitely be game to maybe in six months when that next decision comes up, <laughs> love to come onto the podcast and talk through everything that I'm doing now and when that decision does, if and when, or whatever decision I do choose to do, I would love to have to be on the podcast and talk about that. I love it. Thank you so much, my friend. This has been awesome. And and I just keep doing what you're doing because I do think it's it's inspiring. And I think um, I, I've put, I've shared your profile with a number of people just to show what's possible, how to use LinkedIn, how to think about it, how to think about podcasts. I think you're, um, my hope is that this this message continues to sort of show it's not that it's not that hard, but the, the payoff of it is so much, so much greater than that. And uh, like I said, from a guy trading FIFA coins to, to now someone <laughs> who's uh, starting to build his own empire. Um, Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, man.